the Unnecessary Skeptical Podcast. I am Nathan, and joining me today is Susie. Ooh, hello. And Craig. Oh, hello. <laughs> Change the order. We've had a little bit of email feedback over the last month. Uh, first one is from Scott, and Scott has said, Hi, Nathan. This message is an attempt to get you to stop complaining about the lack of messages you receive as a result of your podcast. While it contains no actual content, I hope it will suffice for a day or two. Sincerely, Scott. Thanks, Scott. Um, what does he mean by a day or two? Has he sent anything else on? No, no, he hasn't sent anything since. Um, no, okay, well, we'll stop complaining then if it's such a problem. Well, we have had other um, contact from listeners. We have. That crazy okay. woman. Oh, are we going to read that out? Please, no. please, please, can we read that? Just, this, just the content, not the name. All right. Okay, you've got it there? <laughs> Oh, no. Uh, Did you ever get to the bottom of it? Well, kind of. She does have an account. I'll tell you. Read it out first. But then. the latest email was quite, um, quite interesting. right back funny. to here. Okay, so we received um, this interesting message from... Actually, didn't it start with a phone call in the middle of the night? Yeah, yes. well, that's Great. the history. To I'll me. read this out first, okay. and then we'll go back to that. Um, so I received a message via the mailing list, uh, via the contact form on the website. Um, from S.A. Uh, she says, I wish to unsubscribe. My name is published without my consent and you have not given me the option of removing my name. This is entrapment and this is a notice. <laughs> Signed, S.A. Um, I don't know what the hell she was, uh, that person was talking about. Um, so I sent the message to the rest of the group asking if anyone... Uh, I vaguely recognised the name. And um, Craig reminded me that uh, this was a crazy woman that he'd been, crazy person, <laughs> that we'd been dealing with, uh, what was it, a couple of years ago? Or no, no, it was, it was about six months ago. About six months ago. Um, who, well, Craig, do you want to tell the story? Well, I, I was, um, I got um, a phone call at about 11 o'clock at night and I happened to actually be asleep. And, um, and she was asking whether I was connected with the cusp. And I said, yes. <laughs> and then she said that her, her, um, she was wanting to unsubscribe and kept getting emails and couldn't unsubscribe. And I said, well, send me an email. So I gave her, a, gave her my email address and she sent um, an email basically saying, test. <laughs> so I replied saying, you I got your email. Now what? Yeah. And um, never heard from her again, except right. when we got this latest email. And uh, yeah. Now, at the time, I did, um, I probably made a, a fairly cursory effort to establish what the hell she was talking about. But after this recent email, I looked on the website, and she has, in fact, registered on our website. Um, what she's probably getting is announcements every time uh, we post a new podcast, I guess. Or possibly yeah. she's subscribed to something on the forums. Because you can okay. subscribe to the forums and you get notices every time someone posts something. Um, anyway, she sounds like a nutcase. Uh, a complete nutcase. Um, obviously, yes. her name's not, uh, that person's name is not being publicised. Um, and there is certainly an option of removing yourself from the... Hmm. Actually, I should double-check that. Maybe there isn't. I don't know. Um, you can certainly just ignore them. Um, and you could certainly unsubscribe from stuff on the website. Yes. Uh, if anyone disagrees with me, let me know because um, I googled her name and uh, she does seem to be um, active in New Zealand in certain uh, 
uh, act um, groups. Oh, oh okay. okay. Hmm. Crazy groups? Well, fringe. fringe. Ah, I see. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what I did is I've made her account inactive on the website, and I'm guessing we won't, um, we hear, won't from ever hear from her again. <laughs> so uh, yes, SA, we're very sorry about all that entrapment that we were doing, <laughs> <coughs> and uh, thank you for letting us know. We're part of the feedback. new world order. Indeed we are. Okay, so getting back to the people that we like it when they contact us is Philip again. Shall I do this one? If you like, so you know about it. Philip actually contacted me on Facebook to say that, um, to ask me to look into something um, that I haven't had time to look into yet. I will put it on my list, but it seemed a good opportunity to raise something else. Anyway, so Philip basically has said he's um, thinking, oh God, I said basically. I'm not allowed to, am I not allowed to say basically? Well, basically, you are, is, basically is one of the words. You're basically not allowed to, but okay. you can say it. Essentially, uh, it's the one of those ones right, that people okay, get really one, pissed yeah, off okay. about. Yeah. Anyway, um, he says... I have been against getting one of those robo-cans that deliver a burst of pyrethum every so often into the room to get rid of insects. I've looked a few times into the effects of such sprays and I get as much good as bad and really can't tell if they're as bad as I think. They may be natural plant-based, but you can die a nasty death from eating the wrong plants. Um, can you look into this? So, uh, yes, we should look into this. Um, but it brought into mind um, a really nice uh, campaign by the UK group Sense About Science. So they have this thing called Ask for Evidence. Um, and you can uh, ask them to send you a series of postcards or you can download the post or the sort of a PDF of what the postcard is um, from their website. But it's a really um, simple little, uh, little thing that, that shows, um, so you put their address on it, and then on the other side, it has um, that just that you are asking so-and-so for their claim, and you can kind of fill in what the claim is, and where you saw it, and your name and address, and you're basically saying to them, right, please send me, you know, evidence for this. Um, and then they ask you, Sense About Science ask you to let them know, so either using a particular hashtag on Twitter, or to email them and let, you know, let them know that you've asked a certain person or company for evidence, and they're obviously keeping a check on this. There's also a way of generating an email that you just go onto their, their thing and send, um, put in all the details, it generates an email for you to send, um, again, that they can try and keep track of. So, so this cool. postcard, you send it to the company or organisation yeah. that's making an odd yeah. claim. Okay, yes. oh, cool. So it's for anything, it's just the ask for evidence um, thing, so it's anything you see that you want. So one of the things um, we could do is we could send one of these postcards to the manufacturers of these devices saying, right, what's your evidence that they work? Uh, and, um, and are they and good or bad for you? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So it's just something to bear in mind. Uh, so we will include the links uh, on the show notes. Um, but they're really, they're really cool. I might see if they'll send us some. Um, I'll contact them and see if they'll send us some. But otherwise, there is just an email version or you can just um, download the PDF, print it off, and then you can just post it to... Um, to whoever it is that you're sending. But it would be really good for us to know if anybody's doing it. So do let us know. Um, if you're not going to let Sense About Science know, do let us know what it is that you're following up. Mm. Um, hmm. And there's a little QR code there, I presume. If they yes. scan that, it takes them to the yes. Sense About Science. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Oh, very good. So, yeah, Anecdotally, cool. those Robocan things don't seem to be very effective. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but are they dangerous? Well, I am, I would assume that they've been tested, 
for safety, otherwise they wouldn't be allowed you to... You would assume to, that, wouldn't you? I would assume that, yes. So that would be my uh, my default position. Someone would have to prove to me that they were dangerous. They're not very safe for flies. Well, you just said they weren't very effective, so well, presumably that's also safe for flies. <laughs> yeah, you got unless, me on that one. Unless the fly happens to be flying directly in front of it, presumably, yeah. at the right time. Yeah. Huh. Okay, so moving on. Thank you, Philip. Um, that didn't really answer your question at all, but... Send him a postcard. Thanks for the feedback anyway. Indeed. Hmm. Um, notice board. One item. It's the Skeptics Conference again. Uh, and the date, uh, that's a firm date, they said, is it? On the website. On the website. So it is Friday, the 31st of August, to Sunday, the 2nd of September, at Otago University in Dunedin. Uh, we're all going to be there, or at least I'm going to try. I don't know how much money I'll have. Susie might not be. I might be in Paris. Mm. Hey, Paris. Fancy. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'll probably be there. Yep. And uh, if we are there and you come and say hello and uh, we'll sign your, your cusp t-shirt for you. <laughs> <laughs> right. If we get those done in time. <coughs> we'll see. Um, okay, so... Moving on to our news items. Our first item is from Susie, and a psychologist attacks journal, journalists, and authors after study fails to replicate his findings. Now, if this is the one I'm thinking about, it's uh, quite an interesting one that I've always thought was a, uh, was a real thing. Yes. So, this is about a study um, published in 1996. Um, by a guy whose name I can't pronounce and I can't even find it now. Um, Barg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Barg. Barg. Um, which, while I was trying to find out how you should pronounce it, this is my little bit of sci-fi trivia, um, turns out that uh, you can find out how to pronounce it in Klingon because it is a Klingon word that means a flat-bottomed pot, something for cooking, I believe. Indeed it does. Um, so there you go. Hattibat for shop, venech. One of those, yeah. Okay. So this study, what it what it was about was, um, uh, God, how to describe this? So they it's priming, they, isn't it? yeah, well, yeah, yes. So when people, it was about age. So um, when people saw volunteers saw words that that they um, um, associated. associated with being old when they left... Like not being able to pronounce words yeah. that are in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> problems with recall there. Yeah, yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah. um, when they left the uh, study room, they moved more slowly. Now, this uh, is actually something that Richard uh, Wiseman mentioned, I think, in one of his books, possibly Quirkology. He talked about the study mm -hmm. and priming. And, uh, yeah, so... They see the words in the in the whatever the test that they're taking associated mm. with old people, mm. and then they they measure them as walking slower after mm. the test after than the test. people that yeah. had the neutral words yeah. in their test. Yeah. Well, it's it's activate according to the to the guy who did the original research is supposedly activating their stereotypical um, an image ideas about yeah. 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 A, a particular group of people. Yeah. Anyway, so some people have now tried to replicate this. Study. Um, uh, is that a woman, Stephanie, or Steph? Doyen, anyway, and colleagues. Okay, 
So they tried to match the original experiment, but they made a couple of changes. So one of them was that they, they um, timed the volunteers walking away with infrared sensors rather than with a stopwatch. Um, and they dumbled, doubled the number of volunteers and, and the number of experimenters. They, they, they did more experimenters. Um, so the and, first... And they also told them to go directly down the hall. Right. Well, I guess it's different, difficult from what he... So apparently in the original paper, it's actually kind of difficult to figure out what they actually did. The results are... This methodology is quite difficult. But anyway, so, so they did this experiment where they, they said to them um, that they... So, they, so nobody knew, so everyone was blinded in the first experiment, right? And, and the priming words had no impact on their speed. Hang on, is this the original research? Or no, this replication? is the first replication. So the first replication was they had more people, um, some more experimenters, they used sensors instead of the stopwatch, they, uh, and then the people left and there was no, no change in their speed, right? So then they did it again, and this time they told half, I think half of them, that the priming would make them walk slower and half of them that they would make them walk faster. And depending on what they had told the experimenters, that's what they saw. Kind of so when you say the experimenters, you're talking about the people that are taking the measurements? Yeah. Right. So the... Right? the the punters didn't actually get, didn't actually know yeah, so, anything one way or the other. Yeah. Okay. I think that's right. But they knew whether, yeah. So the experimenters always stuck to the same script, but they knew whether each volunteer had been primed or not. They told half of them that people would walk more slowly thanks to the priming, and the other half to expect faster walks. Mm -hmm. And they found that volunteers moved more slowly only when they were tested by experimenters who expected them to move slowly. Right. So. But somehow, without meaning to bias it, they had biased it. Yeah. Right. Although you think with, with the measuring equipment would be somewhat automated, wouldn't it, or not? No, but the people who knew, so the, the people, people who, who, were were actually who were telling them where to go, yes, right. were somehow influencing Somehow them. influencing hmm. okay. how they left the room. Okay. Now, the original... Probably to leave Bah! Um claims that there was no way that this that their experimenters could have influenced them. Right. But because Doyen well, what he claims was saying, that's not true. Yeah, what he was saying was that the experimenters didn't even know what the experiment was about. Hmm. His yeah, original yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're claiming that's not necessarily that they that the experimenters were the ones that packed all the envelopes with all the words. So they knew what the they knew the words and stuff. Right. He's yeah. not claiming it was deliberate. No. Just that it was a thing, something they didn't actually control for. Okay. Is what they're saying. What's been interesting has been the response. Yeah. So well, this person. What was the what was the thing he said about PLOS? Yeah. So so this was published. This um, repeat was published in PLOS, which is the public library of science. PLOS One, in fact. So PLOS One, it's one of my favourite journals. Um, it makes no. Um, it, but if it's good science and it's done well, then it will get in. So there's no, they take, they take all subject areas 
um, and there's no kind of oh this is yeah. not interesting or this is not whatever. Yeah. If it's good science, and if it's it positive or negative, they don't they'll take it. If it's done properly, it will get in. Um, it's a public ac uh, a online uh, open access journal, so there are no subscription fees. So the model that they work on is that you pay a fee to publish your article. Right. So that um, would theoretically still prevent people with a well, negative result who may not necessarily want. If you no, want your paper, no, if you want your paper published and you're happy to pay for it, yeah, that's you what have I'm to saying. pay for it. I, I, if but, I, if I was trying you, to prove something and it came right. out negative, I wouldn't necessarily want to pay that. No, sure, that but if you say, I can't pay it, then they will still publish it. They will still publish it, oh. yeah. So, there, so if you're from, you know, if there are reasons why you can't pay the fee. So if I did a paper and it turned out to be really good... And I'm just a nobody with no yeah, money. Then you, then they you might publish it yeah, anyway. Yeah. Oh, good on them. Yeah. Um, but the so the original scientist. Bah, how much I say? Doctor B. He has Professor B. Oh, Professor has, B. Okay. Has attacked both the study authors, the journal, and then also um, was this Ed Yong who wrote about this? Um, so a blogger, science, well, science journalist who wrote about the story. So the, the, the um, and he, yeah, so he wrote about it and, and basically they've all been attacked. So it's kind of interesting. Um, so he, he says they didn't do it properly, da, da, da. And then he, and then he has a massive attack at the fact that this open access journal, um, it's uh, not, not, yeah, it's a for profit. It's not, um, doesn't do proper peer review, blah, blah, blah. And it's all nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. Um, because, yes, they do, they, they do accept, you know, money that you, you have to pay to publish. Um, but certainly in my subject, I mean, that doesn't, you know, that's all of the journals do that. So yeah. maybe in psychology it's not the same, but for all of mine you have to pay anyway. Um, How does it compare price-wise to a normal normal journal well, I guess if you're not used to paying for your paper to be published then it probably would seem quite expensive so that's um, that's a fairly standard sort of fee with whatever that whatever they're charging yeah, yeah. I think yeah, it's, it's less in fact than than yeah. what so for my stuff uh, I have to pay what they call color page charges so if if because all of my stuff is in color I have to pay for it so you're probably looking at so I think it was something that like 1300 US dollars to publish a paper in PLOS, whereas my stuff, it would easily cost that much to publish it because it's color pages. And then because I like to publish them open access, then you get charged another 1500 or $2,000 to make them open access as well. So it's not, um, you know, it's not out of the scope. The yeah. point is that once they're, once they're there, you don't pay any, um, you don't have to pay anything to access the paper. So there's no, Fifty dollars to access it for twenty-four hours, or your library has to have a subscription and all yeah. that kind of yeah. thing. And it's not—it's not for profit, so you know all the money is basically put back into the um, running into the website the running and things and like all, that. Yeah, yeah. And, and all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, One of the points he was making was that there was something like fourteen thousand um, papers published. Yeah, times so, thirteen hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, so, it, so it, it's quite a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. and they. Um, the, so they accept about 70% of publications. So they've got a higher acceptance rate. But, you know, they cover every every discipline. Hmm. So it's not just psychology, it's everything. Right. Um, and they publish a lot of papers, and they're publishing more and more because people are seeing, actually, this is a really, you know, there's, there's no 
there's no kind of, oh, your stuff's not really sexy at the moment, so we won't publish it kind of thing, which most of the other journals do. Mm. The other really cool thing about it is that every journal um, you can comment on, every, sorry, every article you can comment on. So you can go and you can, you can say, right, you know, I give it so many stars. This is what I found wrong with it. This is what I liked about it. And the, the um, person from PLOS who, who has written on, the, on this guy's blog to say, you know, these things that you've said about PLOS are incorrect. Here are the facts. And if you have a problem with this paper, you should come and talk to us. You should come and have this dialogue on, on the it. comments of this paper because that's yeah. what it's there for. Yeah. And then the academic editors, everybody who's involved in this, will have a dialogue with you, and they'll do it where the paper is. So if you have a problem with the study design, put it there, and then the authors and the um, people who accepted this paper, they will comment on it. Don't do it somewhere else, which I don't know whether he's done yet. But that's, that's the really cool they, thing yeah. about these journals is that you can actually, instead of it being in a high-impact journal um, which nobody can access, you can see, actually, this paper was really good. This paper was accessed a thousand times or 500 times or whatever and those people either liked it or they didn't like it there's a problem with it and stuff it's one of the warning signs of quackery yeah is rather than publishing or, or publishing responses in the right place mm, is going to the media and well he used his own blog yeah which he actually hasn't used for a long time right um so he's he says welcome back to the natural unconscious which returns after a hiatus of a couple of years and this is on Psychology Today. His previous post was, does Kanye West believe in free will? Back in <laughs> September 18th, 2009. Nice. Um, so the responses, have we covered those? Ed Yong, you were going to say, I think? Well, he just blogged about it. So essentially this guy was just attacking both the discussions of the papers, the people who did it, mm. and where it was published. And, um, you know, that's kind of... I'm interested to know, actually, having thought about this now, so at this 1300 for every paper, where does that money go? <laughs> where, uh -oh. What does PLOS One spend its money on? If it's giving the paper, all the information away for free, that's going to cost them in web hosting and what have you. Yeah. Um, they'll have to maintain much? a... Uh, probably not, but they must pay some staff. They probably host mm. their own servers, mm. so... They definitely host their own servers and whatnot. Um, so they pay for bandwidth. Yeah, no, and so they you, have... But we don't know what proportion of the number of articles they publish actually, actually get pay. paid yeah. pay the, fee, the fee of 13 And the other thing that it will be, of course, is that subsidisation of the people that can't pay. Mm. So yeah. that's fair enough. Yeah. I'm sure it's all above board, and if it's not, we'll find out, mm. and we'll take well, this task is, I mean, for this it. this is basically where I pay. I publish my stuff. Mm. I love well, you'd want to wonderful. know. You'd want to know that they're I managing would. that money well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But what strikes me, you know, as a scientist, <coughs> what what I am driven by is this kind of, you know, doing something right. I'm, I'm driven by the fear that somebody's going to turn around and say your stuff was, was bullshit. And so, you know, if there was some problem with my research you know I want to know about it and and if it was something like a bias you didn't realize was there then you know you'd be thinking oh, oh well, god okay, I'm going to do this again you know yeah. see whether it's really so it's really because you want to know yeah what the, the answer truth is. Yeah. rather than be right yeah in your own yeah yeah, yeah. so it's interesting that that hmm. I guess as that you get serious. more and more you know, this senior. has had 2,000 citations, his paper. Hmm. Yeah, the more senior you get, maybe the more you the egotistical you become and you lose that Well, fear. you hear those <laughs> examples all the time of the um, of the older scientists who come quite entrenched in their own... Hmm. The, the Arthur C. Clarke quote about being, if, a, if a, um, a, a respected scientist says something is impossible, then probably 
isn't yeah Thing along those lines. Yeah. Okay. So the next article is... Oh, that's me. Okay. A religious ritual at a children's agency has alleged demon steamed. So what they did is they found a demon and uh, they decided to cook it <laughs> instead of... Um... Oh, no, no. Sorry. Different article. They should have put it in a hangi. <laughs> so this is the Tampa Bay Times that this has come out with. So I'm guessing it's somewhere in Tampa Bay. Uh, board of Hillsborough County. Um, I'll just read the beginning paragraphs because this uh, explains it quite well. Um, Luanne Panacek, P. Panacek with a P that is, was in a second floor meeting at the Children's Board of Hillsborough County last month when a manager came to her door. Employees arriving to work at the public agency that morning had found a strange oil on their desks and doors. They panicked, had someone sprayed poison in the office, and called the police. Uh, understandably, I think, if you came in and found a strange oil all over everything. Uh, just before the officers arrived, the manager looked at surveillance video. Uh, and what they found was apparently two women entering the building on a Sunday. Uh, one of them was praying and spreading oil all over the desks and the doors. Um, the other woman uh, was, was Panacek, the agency's chief executive officer, who had invited the woman to bless the building after what she called a meeting from hell. Um, she's quoted as saying, there's nothing wrong with blessing a building. I wasn't doing it at a staff meeting. I was doing it on my own time. Uh, some of her board members weren't happy when they learned about the ri religious ritual. Well, I think she would have been better to use holy water because that would have evaporated rather than... <laughs> yeah, quite right, actually. Um, and what's interesting about that is that um, they got some chappy... Oh, a professor of religious studies... Um, who has said that anointing oil, which is usually olive oil, is a liturgical symbol in the Catholic Church. Uh, charismatic Protestant groups have been borrowing the practice. They think that holy means it has an important power from God that they can tap into by faith, he said. Um, I, I guess the subtext there is that it doesn't and there's something else going on, and the Catholics don't actually use it like that. So, yeah, something that uh, particularly the charismatic churches do is rubbing oil on people's heads and, I guess, spraying it on desks as well. Um, Edwards. Who is Edwards? Pete Edwards, who is a community activist, and he's also a board member. Um, oh, P Pete Edwards is the demon. Oh. <laughs> Pete Edwards is a community activist who is a board member, um, was especially angry since it was his public questioning of Panacek that led her to seek a blessing in the first place. Um, I'm stunned that a person responsible to the board would stoop that low and imply that I'm some sort of demon. We don't need an executive director who does that kind of stuff. And then later on in the article he says, uh, if a person does that, she shouldn't receive taxpayer salaries. Uh, and he's going to ask for an emergency board meeting to discuss the matter. So that's just a wacky article for the week. There you go. Um, and, yeah, a little bit of responsible of them to be rubbing oil all over everything. Nothing else. If I came into my, into my, oh, I don't have an office, but 
I came into my learning centre and found my desk was covered in oil, I'd be pissed off at the very least that I had to clean it up afterwards. I'm just wondering what um, you've been doing. Other objects, apart from that, you wouldn't want to touch it, would you? No, especially no. libraries. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, so anyone else want to comment on that? The next article is Sally Morgan. Sally Morgan's been in the uh, news recently, uh, making contact with a work of fiction, Susie. Mm. So, for those who don't know who Sally Morgan is, she is Britain's best-loved psychic. <laughs> and I'm on her website at the moment, um, and Reenie and Tina are available to do a live psychic reading for me. Right. Which is quite something, actually, because I guess it's sort of the middle of the night for them. But anyway. Oh, that's um, very impressive service. Yeah. Um, Sally also has available on her website Psychic Sally's Big Fat Operation. You can watch the DVD of her talking about the fact that she made um, she was very 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 fat and had gastric bypass surgery um, that sounds fascinating it contains a full-length fly-in-the-wall documentary as seen on living um, uh-huh. watch watch Sally's journey there you go um, oh, you could also follow her psychic Sally on the road the complete first series um, just in case anybody's no. not clear, she is a woman with an extraordinary gift. She can deliver messages from the from beyond the grave, and she's uh, on tour at the moment. And pretty much all her tour uh, tour venues are sold out. What a surprise! Mm. So, yeah. Anyway, so what has happened is uh, she is, she was suing um, a guy who wrote an article on her in the. Daily Mail, one of my favourite Now, the first article things. was Professor Chris French, is that right? No, no. So this goes back quite a... Well, this goes back to September when a comedian and magician, Paul oh, Zenon... Paul Zenon. Uh, ..wrote this Daily Mail story called What a Load of Crystal Balls, just explaining some of the tricks that she could be using to um, to do her readings. Anyway, so she's in the process of suing him and the Daily Mail is standing behind him. But um, then there was, there was another... another um, article, um, but also now more recently, uh, she has she did a show in Edinburgh in February, and um, somebody else um, basically pulled a bit of a bit of a stunt. And in fact, she's actually said so. In she has replied on her website. Anyway, I'll get to that in a minute. So, a guy called Drew McAdam um, pulled a stunt. So he, um, they were wanting a reading about somebody that they had, uh, somebody that they knew who'd been killed in a bomb explosion. Um, so this, the, this was linked to Drew's wife, um, who they claimed to have been in love with this guy called Toby, and he died in a bomb explosion. Um, to make sure that the reading came through on the show. Um, Drew emailed details of Toby and how he died to Sally's website and left notes and love letters in a box in the foyer just before the show. Which was presumably there for that purpose. Yeah. So, she did indeed pick it up. In fact, what she said was that um, that she... So, before the break, she apparently said she'd got something through that was quite disturbing and she wasn't sure whether she was going to share it with everyone. And then after the break... She did. She kind of said that this person... Um, what it actually was, was a, a TV, a 1970 science fiction drama. 
and it was one of the characters in that, and he did die in an explosion. And Drew's wife indeed was in love with him because at the time, she was and she was like eleven or something. Yeah. Um, so, so they did this thing. She did this reading, um, saying that you know they'd, that, yeah. So all the information that they provided, she essentially used. Um, Regurgitated. You could say yeah. if you were accusing her of fraud, which we're yeah. not. Which nobody is. No. No. So, si so the moment Simon Singh has written an article in the Guardian asking if anybody was there or if anybody's had a psychic reading from Sally Morgan that would like to say whether it really was, you know, like how she did it. But anyway, she has put a response up on her um, website. Um, but it's quite funny because she's got it all completely wrong. So she says that it's come to her attention that another false allegation of cheating has been made. It appears that this is the work of a small but very vocal group of individuals, either skeptics, <laughs> um, who have a clear and premeditated agenda. The truth is that the wife of the reporter or friend of Paul um, Zenon um, simply interrupted a message regarding an explosion which in fact related to other people in the audience. Both of these people validated the messages from Sally regarding their relatives or friends. So apparently what happened was that she said bomb expl uh, explosions and some people said, oh, my so-and-so died in Afghanistan or Iraq or something. And she said, no, 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 it's not that. It's not that. Hmm. And so this lady came through and said, oh, yeah, it's for me. Um, no specific information was given by Sally relating to the fictitious character which the reporter deliberately planted into the show. Hmm. And when it became clear the reading was not meant for the reporter, Sally quickly moved to a relative of a young man who had been killed in an explosion. Apparently that's not what happened, but anyway, that's what Sally's saying has happened. I think it's quite funny. That was quite quite inspired, actually. <coughs> yeah, a, there's a number of articles action. going on there as well. Um, Simon Singh is also uh, giving her the chance to prove her psychic powers are real. Yeah, they've been trying to there's do that since last that. Halloween. Um, but, um, the first article was um, Chris French, who you might have heard of, is a prominent uh, psychologist and skeptic, um, who wrote an article where he outlined allegations that Sally might have used an earpiece at her Dublin show last <laughs> September in order to receive messages from an assistant. Apparently someone was sitting right up the back by the sound oh, guys, and they had a window open. open there was yeah. a window open. There's one of those windows that you can close up. And... Um, he kept hearing the, the people in the booth talking, and then, the and then Sally saying Sally. something <laughs> very, very similar very soon after. Allegedly. Allegedly. Apparently. Possibly. Um, and then someone closed the window, and then they couldn't hear anything anymore. Mm. Um, and yeah, then Paul Zenon spinning on it, who was, uh, as you said, a magician. Uh, yeah, so there's a whole, there's a whole series of, of articles mm. there, and we might just go ahead and put them all up. Mm. Um, in a row, so you can read them all through. So <laughs> certainly not accusing her, no, but uh, that would be a hot reading if that was what she was doing, uh, as opposed to yeah, cold reading, where she would be making it up as she goes along, which is what she's saying she was doing. If you, if the comment you read out from her mm. sounded very much like she said she wasn't giving any specifics, mm. which sounds more like she was trying to, or she mm -hmm. thought she's remembering that she was doing, and the completely unnecessary sceptical podcast is not implying or alleging in any way that Sally Morgan is in any way fraudulent or lying or cheating um, or anything else that would cause her to sue us. <laughs> not that she would necessarily do that either, but we're just not saying either way. Not that she can really sue us, but whatever. 
And I'm actually only saying that as a joke because screw her, she's a liar and a cheat and oh, a fraud. Nathan. Um, uh, bring it on, bitch. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> Seriously, I mean, the only downside of all this, of course, is that you mentioned earlier about her getting full houses is possibly partially because of all the publicity she's been getting um, from all the articles. But at least some of the people will be seeing this and thinking... Well, I'm one of those psychics that you can talk to now was busy. Oh, oh what a shame. I is it an online sleep. thing? It is an online oh, thing. Oh, yeah. cool. Hmm. That'd be a bit of a money maker. Oh, no, maybe, uh, oh sorry, I meant to mention yeah. that, yes, no, you have to, the phone call one, so the three ladies who, two were available, one was busy, right. um, $3 a minute. Ooh, mm. okay. $3 I'm, I'm sure cheaper I'm, than they charge here, isn't it? I, I've never rung a, a psychic in New Zealand, uh, Craig. You, perhaps you could tell me. Well, I do have a story which I'll relate to you later on. But okay. Not on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, Moving on. Yeah. So, Sally Morgan. Harold Camping <laughs> apologises. He's apologised right. and he's admitted he was wrong and he's promised not to do it again. Yeah. Well, that's actually probably all we need to say, really, isn't it? Yeah. So, he's admitted that he was wrong. Um, from the article in stuff.co.nz, a US preacher who convinced thousands of followers that the world would end has posted an online letter conceding he has no evidence of an impending apocalypse and will no longer predict global doom. Yay! Yay! He's leaving that to the Mayans. Well, well he's, he's <laughs> saying that he, he can't predict when the world is going to end, but he's not saying that it's not, it's not going to end and there's yeah, not going okay. to be a rapture and, and that. God doesn't exist and Jesus isn't going to come back and blah, blah, blah. So he's not admitting all of the things that he was wrong about. Just <laughs> no. that one specific thing. Yes, just the date. Yeah. Hmm. But he thinks God has used the, um, the occasion <laughs> to bring people to, does. to the Bible. Of course he does. Um, okay, well, no, that's Harold Camping in the news again. May, may all other preachers uh, take heed. Ha! Ha, see what you did there. And not make um, predictions about the end of the world. Thrill-seeking bees, Thrill Susie. Bees. I'm I intrigued. Yeah, I saw this and I'm a bit worried. <laughs> Insects apparently have personalities. Oh, no. Only, I'm only worried because of all the work I do with caterpillars. I'm worried now that there's going to be some ethics kind of... Uh, right, okay. I only have to put all my experiments to. Anyway... Um, a new study in science suggests that thrill-seeking is not limited to humans and other vertebrates. Some honeybees, too, are more likely than others to seek adventure. Wow. So some researchers in... Where are they? Hang on. Aren't Can't honeybees on. essentially clones? Nah-ha-ha! Well, so... Um, there are so there were, so this is what sort of prompted them to look at this because they you know when a hive gets too big um, it splits off and there are there are bees that will go off and try and find a new home so there's actually two so there's that behavior but there's also other ones who will go further to look for food and these guys in um, the University of Illinois have looked at uh, gene expression in the brains of bees and found that actually they aren't all the same and that so it's so that well so they could be clones but essentially the gene expression is the, is different um, and so there are bees that have higher um, expression of certain genes and they are more likely to go and do something slightly 
more dangerous, i.e. they're going to go further to look for food or they're going to go further to look for potential new homes. Yeah, couldn't that just so be natural, natural variability in the actual expression of the genes? Just, well, be, just because they've got the same genes doesn't mean that they're going to turn out exactly the same. Well, that's kind of what the yeah, study's saying, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. What I was thinking is it's, um, for want of a better word, is could it not be more deliberate? that in any given population of bees, you need 4% yeah, who are a little bit more thrill-seeky who will go out and find the new hive and blah, blah, blah. So it could actually be a, so a deliberate say, variation um, that's been bred into them. When a colony of bees outgrows its living quarters, the hive divides and the swarm must find a suitable new home. At this moment of crisis, a few intrepid bees, less than 5% of the swarm, take off to hunt for a new hive. These bees, called nest scouts, are on average 3.4 times more likely than their peers to also become food scouts, the researchers found. Um, so, uh, yeah, so they're calling this a personality trait. Right. Because they tend to have the same tendency in different contexts, these Is same bees. Is that possibly um, overstating it a little bit? Well, Getting a little bit ahead of themselves, maybe? So it says... Certain bees exhibit signs of novelty seeking, and their willingness or eagerness to go the extra mile can be vital for the life of the hive. Hive, so it's really important. Um, so very possibly something that could have evolved to work exactly in that way. Hmm. Yeah. So they've done this thing looking at um, signalling pathways and um, stuff, and what have they found? Among the many differentially expressed genes were several related to catecholamine and GABA signalling. Um, and the researchers zeroed in on these because they were involved in regulating novelty seeking and responding to reward invertebrates. So some of the same, yeah. So some of the same pathways that are novelty seeking in us seem to be upregulated in these hmm. bees that go off looking for further for food or looking for a new hive. Exciting. Oh, that was quite cool. Okay. And that if they treated them with um, glutamine and something else, they could increase scouting behaviour in bees that hadn't done it before. And if you blocked it, you could decrease cutting behavior. Nice. Cool. Alrighty. So, uh, moving on to New Zealand. And we have a few articles here. Oh, two articles. So the first article is an ASA complaint that has been lodged about a billboard. Apparently, God can cure cancer. Or can he? Have we got a name next to that one? Craig. Yes. Craig, you wanted to talk about that. Yes, so, well, and probably most people are aware of it, but there is a, a church um, in Taradale, in Napier, which is where I grew up, and um, they put up a billboard saying, Jesus heals cancer. Um, <laughs> There's a little telly mark underneath it. Well, yes, that was, that was actually done live on TV when the, when the, the preacher was being um, interviewed. Um, so, obviously, that's... Uh, it's a, a claim that um, doesn't seem to be borne out by evidence. Um, but apart from that... Certainly not the evidence that we have, anyway. Maybe no. they have well, different evidence. And it, it came to light because a family complained because yeah. their child has it's leukemia. Cancer. They live next door or down the road or something. Exactly. Yeah. Upsetting, but... Um, you know. Understandably. Yeah. Not that offence um, is a good reason to um, stifle someone's free speech, but the complaint well, they, about it being it false a, advertising... But it is a billboard. And that so it is an advertisement, and um, according to the, the Advertising Standards Authority, you shouldn't have an advertisement that causes offence, um, and and also advertisements have to be 
um, essentially true. <laughs> so in order to be able to claim that Jesus heals cancer, they would need to provide some, some proof of that, and um, they, they haven't done so. What was quite interesting was the um, interview with him on, was it Campbell Live or something? Hmm. And uh, the reporter asked him, so are you, because he, he claims six people or something from hmm. their church have been cured of various kinds of cancer. And so the reporter asked, so of all these people, you know, these people haven't been on chemotherapy or something. And he was like, no, oh, we, yeah, we, they had we, treatment we, too. We, we don't say that they should stop their treatment. And everything, so they're all they're all on chemotherapy and all of these kind of things. But no, Jesus cured them. Not yep. the doctors. Yep. Yeah. Jesus provided the chemotherapy. Mm. So anyway, um, lots of people put in an advertising standards authority complaint, including me. And um, so I got an email back from them saying that <laughs> you're one of them. I've won, I'm one of. Some other people. I think uh -huh. it was nine at the time. Do they say that on the letter? Yes. You have nine complaints. So, okay. Um, so um, has there been a resolution for that yet? Well, it does take well. some time. So okay. they, they meet, um, and Michael's going to talk to us about the Advertising Standards Authority, I'm sure. Yes. But they, they meet on a monthly basis, and um, so... Uh, and the billboard has changed. The billboard has changed, yes. Oh, has it? So, it so now, now says, they are quoting a Bible verse Matthew that says... 4.20... Let me get out my Bible. Uh, <laughs> Jesus heals every sickness and disease. Matthew four twenty three. So I think that's so that, so they, just as bad. <laughs> well, I was going to. They've why? expanded it. Not just cancer. <laughs> yeah. every, every Technically, they've disease. made it worse by <laughs> saying they can cure anything. Of the, of the other, of the, at the same time, though, it's also a little bit vague. So they're probably going to get away with that, and the, and by claiming basically that it's a quote yeah. from the Bible. So. Yeah. Um, hmm. Okay. I don't really want to give those. So it'll be interesting to see whether um, whether they actually do take it down. Um, but it is. It is. I think it's inappropriate and it's causing offence to um, to people who've had that sort of experience. Not that offence is ever a good reason to stifle someone's free speech, because that's what we do all the time: is offend people. And mm. so I do anyway, I don't know about you guys. <laughs> I get this all the time on, on Facebook. Oh, that was really offensive, Nathan. And I have to sit down and explain why offence is not a good reason for someone to to stop making an argument. Um, but it's upsetting them as well. Yes. Quite apart from the offence issue, there's, there's um, mental distress and anguish going on here because they have a child who is going through cancer, has cancer at the moment. Yes, yeah, so has, has cancer. Yeah. And... Um, and they're making a claim, a false advertising Well, claim. I think it's, I think it's you, on, on, on the topic of, of not saying something because it's offensive, fair enough, provided you have a good reason for saying that. But where they don't have the evidence to back up what they're saying and it's offensive, then I think that should be a reason to actually prevent them from saying it. What if I just wanted to put up a, a billboard that says, um, poo head? And someone found that offensive. That's it's my right to say that, and that's not covered by any sort of broadcasting standard or authority. Right, but you're not advertising something. No, but that's my point. There's advertising, and then there's offensive. Right. This but is covered this is because it's an ad. Right. Well, yeah, but then what about the bugger commercial? People probably found that offensive at the time, back when bugger was still a swear word. Yes, but that's, that's one of the things they take into account. It doesn't necessarily mean that just because something is offensive, then it has to come off. Right. 
Well, I would hope not, anyway. That's hmm. my point. Anyway. It's, a, yeah, it's a bit more complicated than that. Okay. Um, so next article is, oh, quite a surprising one there. Um, Brzezinski infects New Zealand. Oh, sorry, reaches New Zealand. <laughs> I saw infectious thoughts there. Um, so Susie. this is the, an article in um, this week's New Zealand Herald. Who's listening to New Zealand Herald? Um, hope for toddler with rare tumour. So, um, I haven't actually looked at the comments on this yet. Has there been people? Yeah. Um, so it's essentially an advert for a fundraising um, drive being campaign being run by a family whose um, son, and he's, he's not very old, he's a young son. Two-year-old son. Um, has a rare form of cancer and they are trying to raise $375,000 to send him to the USA for radical, in square or whatever. Square quotes. Square quotes, no, what are they? Scary quotes. Uh, radical treatment. And what was really annoying to myself and a few others um, about this uh, article in the Herald was that, you know, there were a number of inaccuracies. So he, he uh, they're raising money to send him to the Brzezinski Clinic. So for those who have got amnesia, and Brzezinski is the guy who um, has been trialing his antineoplastins for more than 35 years as a cancer cure. In trialing, in inverted commas. And, um, and there's no evidence for them being of any use. Um, there were a number of other factual problems with the article. But not only that, um, he doesn't. It's not his antineoplastins. He does this thing called personalized medicine where he puts them on chemotherapy. Which we talked about last yeah. episode, isn't it? So, so. Um, so a few of us wrote some letters, emailed the journalist involved because the New Zealand Herald, Herald has a link for you to... It says email Matthew. Yeah. I was just looking at that and thinking, why yeah. haven't I done that yet? Yeah, because he so doesn't reply, because he doesn't care. So, I see. So there's no response from Matthew. A few of us have done that. We've so Matthew Theunison is a douchebag is what you're saying. <laughs> No, the, the reporter. Respond to well, emails. I wonder Sounds if you like can in the editor. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we, so I also sent a letter to the editor, but it didn't right. get in the paper. Um, no, but CC the editor is, and the person who writes his checks, signs his checks, his boss. Letters, well, to, the, it, letters to the editor yeah, is a section of the newspaper, sure, sure. but yeah. there's an, also a person there who is an editor who will be yeah. supervising this guy yeah. and saying, okay. why did you write well, this? Well, anyway, there were quite a few of us who did, because we were annoyed. Couple of, so, so I, the letter I wrote was was around the fact that you know there was a major inaccuracy, i.e., this isn't a um, treatment, treatment in any sense of the word. Um, and there's two really important things that the family need to know before they put their money and their faith in this man. So the first is that normally patients do not pay to go on clinical trials, and so it would be interesting to know just what is this, you know, why is it so expensive? Um, yeah. And wouldn't that have made a much more interesting article? Yeah. Like there's con controversy yeah. and this guy's a quack and you know. Yeah. Anyway, the other is that he is currently um, he's being sued by a patient, but is also soon going to be up in front of the Texas Medical Board um, for a number of charges, including failure to meet standard of care, negligence, lack of informed consent, unprofessional conduct, non-therapeutic prescribing. The thing that he's being sued by uh, sued for by the patient is the fact that she found out that the medica medication he was prescribing her, um, you could buy cheaper in other places. And he had a company 
that was specifically set up to, to sell this medicine. Um, anyway, so he is getting huge amounts of money. It's really kind of sad that he's reached now as far as New Zealand and these people are trying to get, you know, trying to raise money, which is just for this, you know, for no use. Um, it's reached as far as all, so we've got a few campaigners in the UK who have picked up on this and have been, they've basically put it onto their kind of links and things. Um, who else did it make? It made um, ORAC. Oh, right. Yeah, so a yeah. few other people have now picked it up. No one's been terribly effective yet by the looks of it. The website no. is still there. And mm. it says, and I quote, the Brzezinski Clinic in Texas, USA, are showing great success with their mm. non-toxic gene-targeted anti-neoplastin therapy mm. and are reporting a 30 to 50% success rate. Yeah, it's not they true. have recently completed stage 2 FDA-approved clinical trials. Mm. Is any of that even true? Oh, well, they may have completed them. It doesn't mean that they were positive. <laughs> completed, yeah. um, And there are various people like Auric and stuff who are putting up, every time they find one of the people who dies, they put up a link to this person just died. Hmm. Mm. We don't hear about. Kind of. um, and the point is that they give their antineoplastins alongside chemotherapy. Yeah. And they charge a lot of people. So you're probably getting the same therapy you could in other places, and you've been charged huge amounts more. The interesting thing about this child's case is that he has his tumor is not necessarily, um, it's a really, really slow growing one. Um, and they, it doesn't normally respond to chemotherapy. Um, but it's in a, it's in a, it's a brain tumor, and so it's the place that it's in is really awkward. And I think it was Aurac suggested that they should be trying to find overseas a really, really good surgeon who could take this out. Oh yeah. Rather okay. than going to Brzezinski. Well, with three hundred seventy-five thousand dollars, you better get a pretty. Well, good... Apparently, there's a really good surgeon in in Australia. Okay. Who would probably be they also have a Facebook page, and I've just stopped at a random point on the page, and it says, um, "To those who are going to post negative things on this page." Would you please refrain from it? This is not a scam or any form, a way of getting or asking people for the hard-earned money or the support, which it kind of is, but never mind. Um, this is a page for exposure for Jesse and his condition. At the Farnell family's discretion, this is the direction we have chosen and the direction we see best for the life of Jesse. Whether you or whether you or anybody else think or believe we should be heading somewhere else, please email Cameron, Shane, or Michelle to discuss this in a private forum. This is a page for Jesse and his well-being and health. So if it is not supportive of our efforts, please look somewhere else. So I guess the um, takeaway message from that is please email Cameron, Shane or Michelle. Yeah, um, but, but I think what also... What the point that, of that is, I don't know. That people who are innocently giving money to them hmm. should be warned. Should that know they're, that they're they... giving money to something that's um, of, of the, pretty much no help. The effort may not in itself be a scam, but the place that they're going is, and, and you're right, yeah, and should be what, published on their that's wall. That's not what um, we were arguing. We weren't arguing. No, certainly. They're, you know, why, you know, I have no disagreement with them trying to raise money to save their, you know, to pay for medical help for their child, but they are putting their hopes in the wrong place. Um, and just, maybe they should uh, be trying to find this surgeon in Sydney instead. Just out of interest, see what happens when you post something. Um, oh, okay. Oh, just a link. Link to one of the Guardian articles or something. Yeah, Quack Watch, that'll do. Quack Watch is a good. Uh, um, to see if it takes taken down, I'd be interested to know. Well, the guy who owns the page has got a very interesting name. What's that? Cameron Fat Jesus Kingwood. Is that real? Okay. University of Otago. You think he'd be more clever then? 
Okay. Well, he studied sports at the University of Otago. Oh, I see. <laughs> so you'd think he'd be about that thick then. Um, okay. okay. Well, I don't want to talk about business anymore. He depresses me. Shall we move on? So, Susie, would you like to rant for us about the Ponsonby News? Uh, okay. So, um, I think I've kind of uh, screwed up with, oh dear. with Ponsonby News. So, they are not going to publish anything from me anymore because of my um, complaint to the Advertising Standards Authority. Um, so... I got the judgment back. I mean, basically, it hasn't been upheld because um, he claims that it's all fine. I, I, I disagree fundamentally, but anyway. Um, but what's interesting is that they, he had to put his evidence why he disagrees with me, and so did the Ponsonby News. So um, it's all very kind of, you know, they're well aware of who made the complaint and that I escalated it. And I think... How do I, I suppose they see all your emails and everything and they know? Well, no, I, I guess they get the what the complaint is and who okay. made it. Yep. So what did you actually Not, complain about? I complained about the fact that he was misleading people by calling himself Doctor. Oh, this is um, Doctor Dr. Edgett. Yeah, Mr. Edgett. Mr. Edgett, sorry. Um, that was what I complained about. And so I wrote an article, I wrote a letter about their vitamin C um, stuff, and basically they're not, they're, they've not published it. So, so they haven't got back to you to sell no, it? No, they haven't said anything, but they're just throwing your stuff in the bin now. I think they're now just throwing my stuff in the bin. Anyway, so I'll just have two very short things. Um, John Appleton this month has got a few thoughts on orthomolecular medicine. So this is something that was um, coined, a phrase that was coined by um, the Nobel Prize winner Linus Pauling. Hmm. <laughs> Don't really need to say much more about that. Um, and it just means um, the right molecule. And it's essentially mega therapy, mega vitamin therapy. Um, and so he claims in his article that, um, you know, obviously this is fantastic, and there's a journal of orthomolecular medicine that um, has led the way for a quarter of a century in presenting um, health concerns and treatment, including vitamin C and cancer, blah, 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 blah. Um, I had a look at this journal, and it's kind of interesting. It's, um, so it's not indexed on any, uh, on any of the medical things. It's not got an impact factor. Um, it was set up. Uh, in the 60s, I think. It's had four name changes since then. Um, and it was set up by somebody who felt his stuff wasn't getting published. <laughs> it wasn't being accepted. So he started his own journal. And he and and because they're so radical, the medical establishment won't publish this, you know, won't index them or anything like that. It's just absolute nonsense. Um, anyway, so there's that. And then he has a big go at evidence-based medicine, which really annoys me because... You know, it's these people who don't understand what evidence-based medicine is. Um, and then he makes some kind of, he starts talking about antibiotics and how, you know, nobody has a go at antibiotics, so why, why do they have a go at vitamins? It's all just a bit bizarre. Um, but on the same page, on the same page, Good News Auckland, John Kehoe is back. Who? Woohoo! John Kehoe, who's doing an event, um, when is his event? 21st or 22nd of April. Advanced Mind Power, the Quantum Warrior Training. And I like so, quantum physics. I'd like to hear a qualified, educated person talk uh, about quantum physics. Should yeah. I go along to this? He combines the most up-to-date scientific discoveries with mystical teachings from our major religions to create a vision of oh. the quantum warrior and the possibility of, of our future as a species. I see. What's really interesting is that it says, for over three decades, he's earned worldwide recognition for his pioneering work in the field of mind power. 
He has lectured in every continent, and his first book, Mind Power in the 21st Century, has sold millions of copies, becoming an international bestseller. Has he lectured in um, Antarctica? <laughs> it's kind of interesting that, you know, putting on your own seminars is somehow equated to, you know, and putting them on everywhere. So, you know, this is like here, you just book out the Langham and charge people huge amounts of money to come and hear you talk a load of quantum nonsense. Um, and that kind of seems to be equated to, you know, somebody who might actually be invited to speak in various places, where, you know, they pay for you to come and do your stuff. Kind of interesting. But anyway. Um, there, yeah. is a, there is a certain talent in being able to spew all that stuff with a straight face. Though. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. You wanted to do your um, old wife's tale? Yeah. I've got a, just a really brief update. I'm just mucking around on Facebook while we're um, mm-hmm. while we're talking as well. And I was on the um, Jesse, the mm-hmm. chap, kid that's going to the Basinski Clinic's page, and I noticed the name of someone uh, on the side who is someone I know mm-hmm. who also likes this page. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sent her a message, and she was online very briefly just now. And she's told me a little bit about her background as well, uh, the story that's going on with them. Um, she's got a son who I think he's about 10 or something. And he looks about 8 or 9 or, or that, that sort of age. So I said, um, hopefully you won't get pissed off with me about this, but I noticed your name was on this other page. And I sent her a couple of links to Bazinski. And then she showed up uh, online and said, oh, thanks for that. Um, she's not pissed off. She hadn't seen it and she's going to read it. And her son has the same tumour as this other kid, uh, but in a different place. And they have the same oncologist. Um, She hasn't met them, but she's heard about their story, obviously. There's only three kids in New Zealand with this tumour. And I've said something along the lines of, I'm glad you're getting the scientific version. And um, she said, yes, they've chosen not to, which is unusual, but apparently they're adamant that they want to try this treatment. Um, she says she wouldn't have chosen anything other than scientific. Our oncologist got one of the other mums to ring her and try and convince her that the scientific approach is working, but she wouldn't have a bar of it. Her son's tumour started off the size of a tennis ball and is now less than a plum size after 18 months of chemo. Uh, his eyesight has improved slightly and they're going to continue to monitor him as they can sometimes grow back. And she said I could uh, I could talk about that on the podcast because I figured it was relevant. So it's quite interesting. Someone with the exact same tumour, uh, same tumour but in a slightly different place, and getting the real treatment, and it seems to be working. So there's some anecdotal evidence for you, for what it's worth. Um, and good on you for being a mum that uh, went with the scientific option. Evidence-based medicine. Yeah, I, I guess that would be one way of um, sort of combating this, that um, if you went to the Facebook site and uh, she looked to see whether there was anybody you actually knew as you did yeah, well, and actually talking to them about it and uh, um, and if you two want to go to the site right now you could um, like my post that might make them a bit more reluctant about um, removing it I haven't refreshed that page in a couple of minutes what is let's get little Jesse the help and the professionals he needs or if you go in through the news item you go in through their page and click their on their page teamjesse.co.nz and then there's a link to the Facebook uh, we won't oh. focus on that. Okay, so moving along, while you guys are doing that, uh, Susie, yeah. you want to give us your old wives' tale? Yeah. Cracking knuckles causes arthritis. <laughs> oh, it's not working, eh? uh, I'm just cracking my knuckles there. So this is an old wives' tale, and um, actually there's been a, a study done just recently 
of knuckle cracking and hand osteoarthritis in the yes i heard about this the guy cracked all the knuckles in one hand for like 50 years or something and he didn't do the other hand is that the one no oh this is the uh, that's an old lifestyle <laughs> <laughs> oh, i thought i read that recently listen guys sorry a paper just out in the journal of the american board of family medicine um so what they have done is a retrospective case control study among people 50 to 89 years old um, they gave them all a radiograph of their um, hand um, this might have been for the last few years um, and what they have done is um, use the radiograph to show which ones have got osteoarthritis um, and it turns out that they and then they asked them about their knuckle cracking um, they indicated the frequency, duration, and details of their um, knuckle cracking, called Casey <laughs> behavior. Um, and the prevalence of knuckle cracking amongst the respondents was 20%. And it was similar um, between those that had, or the prevalence of osteoarthritis was similar between those who cracked their knuckles and those who didn't. No difference. Um, and the number, the long, the length of time they'd been doing it, and the volume had no, there was no correlations at all between osteoarthritis and knuckle cracking. So there right. you go. Um, I did hear a little thing. It's an understandable myth, though, considering how many people get annoyed with you when you uh, when yeah. you go cracking your but knuckles. But I've got one here that's so it just says, um, in order to prevent the bones touching, uh, the or the sorry, the touching bones from grinding each other to dust, each joint contains a little sack of lubricating fluid. Um, and when a person bends, cracks, or pulls on these joints, tiny air bubbles form in the fluid, and when they burst, you hear a pop or snap sound, apparently. That's what that says. Which is, because I'm just reading exactly a book about this at the moment, almost exactly what chiropractors do. There's a lubricating fluid in between your joints and your spine. The, uh, okay. uh, what, are they, what are they called? What, the vertebrae? Vertebrae, vertebrae yeah. in the spine. And when you manipulate that, uh, it separates, and that creates a pop or a snapping sound. So, chiropractors make your back pop in very, very much uh, the similar way that your knuckles crack. So, moving on to the quote, Craig. Well, I have an interesting quote from an interesting person. Oh, Healthy scepticism is the basis of all accurate observation. And um, that was by Arthur Conan Doyle, who ah. is um, the author of Sherlock Holmes. Right. However, he was a very well-known. Well, well, and t this this particular quote came from a book called *The Vital Message*, which was published in 1919. And I've just had a look at *The Vital Message*, and um, and it says Sir Arthur Conan Doyle speaks with authority. Scholar, physician, writer, he has recently been devoting his life to this one absorbing subject: Are the dead really dead? <laughs> Which was so one he of may well things. have had a um, sceptical quote, but uh, um, he certainly was a believer. In, uh, and theories as well. In theory, yeah, well, well, theories, and, theories and um, life continuing after death. Yeah. Um, well done. Okay, and the word of the day is weird, but spelt W-Y-R-D. And apparently it is the personification of fate or destiny. The reason I thought that was interesting is because it's the title of a... I was about to say Douglas Adams. Uh, You're talking about Weird Sisters? Weird Sisters. 
Terry Pratchett. Terry Pratchett. Title of a Terry Pratchett book called Weird Sisters. Uh, and I didn't know that uh, that had a particular meaning, and it does. It's the personification of fate or destiny, from which I assume we get our word weird, the way we spell it. Maybe. Very possibly. And uh, that's it. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Completely Unnecessary Skeptical Podcast. If you'd like to send us... Uh, oh, no, no. Send, don't send us feedback. We don't care. <laughs> send us feedback. Don't send us feedback. Whatever. Um, but if you want to, it's on the website. Cast.org.nz. One of the tweaks that they did was rather than time people with stopwatches... Oh, for fuck's sake. Has it done it again? It's done it. Everything's just shut down. Houston, we have a problem. The tape's got tangled. <laughs> Nathan's blaming Microsoft for this. So, so what's happened? Is, your, is everything shutting down? No, it's not shutting no. down. The operating system's still there. Yeah. But all the software I had running just disappeared. Right. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Never mind. <laughs> Let's just keep going and pretend I never said any of those things. Um, is this all still running? This... We're not editing this out, are we, Nathan? Yes, yes we're editing this out. <laughs> Huge time. I am not going to admit on the podcast that I have installed a third-party piece of software that gives me multiple desktops. <laughs> <laughs> and that it automatically switches between them when I put the mouse at the edge of the page. <laughs> I've been whinging about this for about five days because it just keeps happening. I've got all this... <laughs> There's probably all these desktops sitting here with all this shit.